Hello and welcome to this Endo Life episode 104. I'm Jessica Duffin, I'm an endo warrior and endo health coach and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always this podcast is here to educate and shouldn't be used as a replacement for your current medical treatment. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU and I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils and their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it and you know if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them I don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk, And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. So I'm really excited about today's episode because it marks a um, sort of series, not an official series, but a bit of a series where I've been thinking a lot recently, like how can I continue to keep having experts on to talk about endometriosis without it getting repetitive? And I realized it would be really helpful if we started diving into specific symptoms that are of endometriosis or at least associated with endometriosis. And so Crystal Curtin is one of our first guests where we're diving into a specific symptom of endo. And today we're talking about heavy periods. And now the thing with heavy menstrual bleeding is there's some debate around whether that's an actual symptom of endometriosis or an associated symptom. And so if you think about it, your endo is growing outside of your womb. So really is the heavy bleeding actually due to the endometriosis or a problem associated with endometriosis? And you'll hear as we dive into the show what I mean by that. Now, heavy bleeding can look like needing to change your pad or tampon more than every two hours. If you're doing that, then that's um, heavy menstrual bleeding. It could be that you're having to wear multiple protections. So maybe you're wearing a tampon and you're wearing a pad, or maybe you're wearing a pad and you're wearing period underwear. Perhaps you're having to set an alarms through the night um, because you're worried about bleeding through your bedding Or maybe your period lasts a really long time, so it lasts more than seven days, for example. So if you have any of those, then you're experiencing heavy menstrual bleeding. And I will link to the definition of heavy menstrual bleeding um, on the NHS. I'm pretty sure they have one. So I will link to that in the show notes. And so that's the topic we're diving into today. And I've said this before, there are a lot of symptoms that we lump under the endometriosis umbrella that actually can also be caused by other issues. And if we just address those issues, those symptoms would alleviate or at least dramatically reduce. And heavy menstrual bleeding is definitely one of those. It's not just one of those things that come with and that comes with endometriosis that we can't do anything about. So I'm really happy to have Crystal come on the show to talk about this because Crystal is a certified nutrition coach. She's a certified hormone health expert and she's a trained fertility awareness educator. So she's just a wealth of knowledge. And actually, she presents her information and her knowledge in such a clear and concise way. I love her Instagram page. Um, I'm always having a look. It's just so helpful and informative. So I really recommend checking that out. And she shares where you can find her um, later on in the show. And so what I love about what Crystal does is that she she's really good at addressing specific issues with 
our periods and hormonal health. And she actually has a program, a couple of programs to help you do that. So definitely listen to the end of the show. She she shares um, her programs for doing this. But because she's so good at addressing these specific problems in her work, I thought she'd be a wonderful guest to come on and talk about heavy menstrual bleeding with us. So today we're talking about what's happening when we have heavy periods and what hormones are behind it and if there's anything else that could be behind it. What can cause these hormonal imbalances and these other issues? What strategies can help alleviate heavy periods? And Crystal's favourite foods and nutrients to help you to have lighter periods and rebalance your hormones. So if you've ever experienced flooding or you're having to change your pads or tampons, too frequently, then I think this episode is going to be really, really helpful for you. Please let me know if you try any of the strategies that we discussed today and if you find them to bring you any relief. Here she is. Welcome to the podcast. It's amazing to have you on. Um, I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself. Um, I'm sure a lot of my listeners are familiar with your work, but um, for those who aren't yet, could you tell us a bit about like yourself and your your story and what inspired you to come and do the work that you do around hormonal health and healthy periods? Of course. And thank you so much for having me, Jessica. It truly is an honor to be here today. Um, so my name is Crystal and um, it's been a long journey, I have to say, um, <laughs> for me to get to this point. Um, what? But I'll keep it short. No, go ahead. <laughs> Is that um, sometimes they say that you um, you don't find the work, the work finds you. Mm. And I think that's exactly what has happened with me. Um, so I think it, it really all began when we had like this major life change. So my husband and I and, and my young daughter, we, we were living in Budapest in Hungary. Mm. And then hubby got the opportunity to move abroad um, to, to do his work. And um, so we moved to Spain. And um, moving here, for one, gave me some more free time while I looked for work, right? Um, because back in Budapest, I had a really demanding job with very little free time. So um, it gave me a bit more free time and it gave me inspiration like I had never been inspired before. I mean, coming to Spain and experiencing um, the Mediterranean lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it's just, <laughs> it is amazing. Dreaming. Um, yeah. Um, the availability of fresh produce and fresh fish. Because I don't know if you know, but Hungary is a landlocked country. So yes, like, yeah, we were of living course. there for yeah for like seven years, and we didn't have fish probably in that time. <laughs> and I love fish because I'm actually originally from the Caribbean, so um, I grew up, you know, having fish. So that was amazing, you know, all the fresh produce and fish and stuff like that. And so I basically did like an overall, like an overhaul of, uh, of my family's diet. <laughs> I was like, well, guys, this is, where, this is where we are at now. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. This is the way we eat. <laughs> this is the way we're going to live. <laughs> so, yeah, I just totally overhauled um, the way we went about life, basically. It sounds wonderful. I mean, it was just, it was a real turning point for us. It really was. And I mean, we, so we started to eat a lot healthier. Um, I, you know, I was able to cook all of our meals and, you know, farmer's markets were nearby. So, you know, things became a lot easier. It became a lot easier to eat healthily and stuff like that. And that kind of inspired me um, after probably just a few months, actually, of living here to start a food blog. Because it was something that I actually had in the back of my mind for quite a few years. But because my jobs were always so demanding, you know, yeah. I, I didn't really have time to, um, you know, get it off the ground. So I started a food blog and I still have it. Actually, it's Natural Fit Foodie. I love um, it. It's such not, a good blog. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not um, blogging that much these days, but it's, it's still there. And it's filled with amazing healthy recipes, you know. Because I just, I felt so inspired and I wanted to inspire others, you know? Yeah. So 
first came the food blog and then I was like, well, you know, there's so much to nutrition that I actually don't know, <laughs> you know, so because I was basically self-taught, you know, home chef, um, no formal training or anything like that. So I was like, you know what, um, let's put looking for work on the back burner. Let's, <laughs> let's go back to school for a while, <laughs> you know. So I went back and I studied, um, so I did nutrition coaching and nutrition slash health coaching online um, and became like a certified health coach. So that was one part of the journey. And then once I started um, health coaching, in the very early days of health coaching, um, she was one of my first clients actually was, was someone with PCOS. Right. And up until then, I had never heard of PCOS, you know, and in wanting to help her as best as I could, you know, I just dove into the research. I started Googling everything and I was, why didn't I ever hear about this condition, you know, and I just, you know, like went down the rabbit hole <laughs> and it seems like I've never come up, but. Oh my gosh, I've been there and I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> where does the rabbit hole end but anyway so yeah I was like well you know what I need to I need to learn more about women's health I need to learn more about hormone health I need you know so off I went back to school again you know doing some further specialized um, trainings and stuff on hormone health because besides that very first client um, right around the same time I actually had a relative who was diagnosed with endometriosis uh. and she came to me knowing, knowing that I was a health coach. She, she came to me for help. And again, I was like, I have never heard of this condition. Where have, you know, have I been living under a rock or what, you know? And then looking at the, the statistics, I was like, you know, we really need more awareness about these conditions. So yeah, down the rabbit hole and, kind of came up for some air after I got my, you know, hormone health and, and um, various women's health certifications. And, you know, I've just been going, going from there. Amazing. And you are so knowledgeable. I think one of the things that I really love about your, I mean, you're very, very organized. Firstly, like, I just feel like oh. all of your like work and your blog posts are really um, succinct and really clear. And for anyone who doesn't, um, who hasn't been on Natural Fit Foodie, you can go on and there's like, you can see like menstrual cycle recipe, uh, menstruation recipes and recipes for the luteal phase and follicular. And I think that you as you know, right, you can go down this rabbit hole of hormonal health and get quite lost. But I think you make it really easy for people to digest. So um, you've done an amazing job of going down a rabbit hole and coming up with like <laughs> the goodies <laughs> and like, yeah, making it um, much more easier for yeah. everyone to understand. So um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I try. And I think it's um, actually really interesting story because everyone we've had on the show has come on the show because they've had um obviously you've had you sort of had this health transformation but a lot of them had a condition themselves but it's actually really interesting to hear the perspective of someone came to me they had this and this and I went down the rabbit hole and you were like motivated to support them and support other people with it so much like it wasn't that you were motivated because you were sick and mm. I think that's really inspiring because you don't often hear that that much and I'm, I think I'm so thank you Jessica you know I'm so like extra passionate about this work as well because once I did you know like revamp my family's diet and lifestyle and so on and so forth I saw so many benefits to my own health obviously and the thing the thing that got me is like, like when I started to go down this rabbit, rabbit hole of, of women's health, I realized, hey, you know what? I used to have period pain and I no longer have it. Oh, wow. You know, but it, I had gotten so used to having it. Yeah. You know, like I, you know, and people ask me like, so what, what experience, you know, what benefits did you experience from changing your lifestyle? Well, I lost some weight, uh, my skin cleared up, my blah, blah, blah. But I never really put two and two together to say, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it was only when 
I, you know, I like started to dive really deep into the women's health um, niche, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I actually did experience <laughs> a turnaround in my menstrual cycle without even realizing, you know, so yeah, we really need more awareness in this area. We really do. Absolutely. People get really used to not feeling well and mm-hmm. I mean, and that can apply to not just like women's health, but lots of, you know, lots of issues. All of my clients, obviously all of them come to me with period, like endometriosis pain. And some of them aren't ready to make nutritional changes when they come to me and we work on other areas. But all of them who um, make nutritional changes, all of them experience alleviation in their period pain. And most of it is dramatic, like I literally had two girls on Tuesday and I was absolutely thrilled. Um, One of them had the first pain-free period she's ever had. And then the second one went from a pain level eight to two. And it's just fascinating. It just goes to show you what can what can be done. And there are other things that can be done. Absolutely. The, you know, the clients who make um, lifestyle changes, work on their stress, work on their pelvic floor, their pain signals, they experience relief as well. But, you know, without a doubt, I see probably the most dramatic effects from that nutritional piece. Um, And yeah, generally kind of eating a very nutrient dense anti-inflammatory diet. Um, So it's fascinating. Yeah. It is. It is. So, I always tell my clients that's where we can get the biggest bang for our buck. Yeah, um, absolutely. With yeah. Nutrition, you know, <laughs> it's with nutrition. I totally agree. And obviously, as we're kind of talking about what our clients come to us with and the, you know, struggles that they go through, a lot of people with endometriosis tend to suffer with issues such as heavy periods and clotty periods and you know long periods obviously there's the pain component but um on the show we've done a lot around pain and I'd really love to start talking more about these more specific period problems that actually because of I think endometriosis is now having a lot more coverage but I there's not like a huge amount of coverage on the kind of holistic nutrition or holistic lifestyle changes that can be made yet. And as a result, we have a lot of doctors um, and a lot of other people saying, well, those are your symptoms of endo and nothing can be done for that. Where actually, you know, a heavy period or clotty period or long periods could actually be um, signs of something else that can be managed and reduced or even completely eliminated so some of what we think is endometriosis might in part be other hormonal issues so I'd really love to hear like your thoughts on heavy periods because that's one that comes up quite a lot um you know just in our community and with my clients what's happening here like when people do have heavy periods is this is it something hormonal or is it something to do with nutrient deficiencies it is it is all of the above (laughs) (laughs) so I think um in in order for us to understand like what's you know what's what's the reason for besides the fact um that you may have been diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, why would you experience heavy periods? It's um, important to know what's happening hormonally in, let's say, quote unquote, a normal menstrual cycle, right? Yes. So I'm just I'm just going to go through hormonally what happens in a regular cycle from start to finish, if that's okay. That just would be to, amazing. Yeah, just to give some background, um, some background knowledge. So. Basically, while we're menstruating, the four major reproductive hormones are basically at um, an all-time low. So when I talk about the four major reproductive hormones, I'm talking about estrogen, progesterone, LH, which is luteinizing hormone, and FSH, which is follicle-stimulating hormone, right? These are are at an all-time low as we menstruate. Um, Now, once you've you know, once menstruation has ended, of course, it's it's different for every woman, right? But as you progress um, beyond menstruation, what happens is that follicle-stimulating hormone is released from the brain 
um, sent to the ovaries through the bloodstream because that's how hormones travel. And it stimulates the follicles in the ovaries to grow, right? So every cycle, about 10 to 15 follicles are stimulated. Now, as these follicles begin to grow, as they, you know, they're stimulated, they begin to release estrogen. And as they release estrogen, estrogen has major impacts on the body, right? One of the um, biggest jobs, let's say, of estrogen is to proliferate or to grow the endometrium, the uterine lining. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, now, once estrogen has peaked, LH, which is luteinizing hormone, will be um, triggered, and that that will cause ovulation. Once you've ovulated, now um, progesterone is now secreted. Um, by the leftover follicle, which is called the corpus luteum. So basically, in the first half of the cycle, before you ovulate, estrogen is the dominant hormone. And once you've ovulated, progesterone takes over and becomes the dominant hormone. So estrogen's effect on the uterine lining or the endometrium is to proliferate or grow it. And then progesterone's job is to maintain that lining and to make it more like juicy, I like to say, to develop secretory glands that will help to nourish um, like a potential fetus in case the egg is fertilized. Mm -hmm. So given that background and knowing now that estrogen's job is to proliferate or grow the uterine lining and knowing that menstruation is the shedding of the uterine lining, then you can imagine that if you have a heavy flow or a heavy bleed, it means that your lining has built up quite a lot. Yeah. That would make sense, right? Mm. Um, so that would be the reason for the heavy bleeding. But as you know, like we're talking about holistic healthcare and functional medicine, it's important to dig a bit deeper mm -hmm. and to find out why, <laughs> why estrogen is so dominant and, and you know, causing the lining to proliferate that much. You know, um, so if you want now, I can dive into some of the causes. I would love to. Can I just say that was the best explanation of the <laughs> menstrual cycle that I have ever heard? Uh, yeah, I would love to dive into the causes. All right, awesome. So basically, what we see in 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 folks with heavy bleeding um, is that the balance of estrogen to progesterone has been, let's say, thrown off because I, I like to tell my clients is that estrogen and progesterone, they should be doing a really nice tango dance every month. They should be in sync. They should be in unison, right? Um, they complement each other. Um, so if we have a situation where estrogen, which should be dominant in the first half, is also dominant in the second half of the cycle, then we will see greater proliferation or growth of the uterine lining. Um, so it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like we have unopposed estrogen because progesterone's job is kind of like to keep it in check. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so if the progesterone's not there, the estrogen's just going to do what it likes. Exactly, exactly. So um, some of the, again, so in in functional and holistic uh, medicine, we, we ask the question, why? We always keep asking why, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So you have a heavy bleed, why? Well, estrogen and progesterone are off balance, why? <laughs> you know, it's like a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> why, mommy, but why? <laughs> we always have to keep asking. Um, so one of the reasons um, which I haven't seen in practice to be so common with women with, with in women with endometriosis, but it, it's it's worth mentioning is that um, if there is no ovulation, then there is no progesterone production. Yeah. Okay. So we only produce the bulk of our progesterone when we ovulate. Although I have seen this is more common in PCOS, but I have seen women with both conditions. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that as yes, well. Yes, definitely. Right? So if if you're not ovulating, you know, um, every cycle, then you will not be producing progesterone. And that will obviously mean that your estrogen is just run amok. It's just doing its own thing. The lining is proliferating and it's unopposed. 
Um, the other reason um, could be that, um, so not necessarily due to the estrogen that your body naturally produces, but the intake of xenoestrogens, so external estrogens into the body can be leading to um, like, like too much estrogen. So there is the term estrogen dominance um, floating around. Most people might have seen it, um, which is, it's, it's a good term and it's not, I don't like to use it as much because it kind of gives a negative connotation to estrogen, poor old estrogen. Um, yeah. <laughs> and estrogen is really brilliant for us. It's stimulating to the brain. It's, it's great for, um, it's, it gives you like a pep in your step. You know, it's a really important hormone. So I don't want people to think like, I've got too much estrogen. I need to get rid of it. You know, uh -huh. Uh -huh. it's yeah. more of having these two imbalance, you know, having your estrogen be in balance with your progesterone. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're taking in estrogens, ex, you know, from external sources, um, you know, things like um, drinking water out of plastic BPA bottles, you know, um, using a lot of like makeup that has a lot of chemicals, which are um, endocrine disruptors, you know, um, people, a lot of people don't think that these things matter, but they actually really do because hormones can be measured in parts per trillion. They're very tiny. You know, they're like grains of salt. So it's like if you're taking in external um, estrogens or, you know, endocrine disruptors through your skin, through your water, through your food, that is going to have a massive impact on the levels in your bloodstream. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a second thing. And a third reason could be... Um, and the studies um, can back me up here to show that, especially in women with endometriosis, there's um, there tends to be a situation where um, your the cells are actually resistant to progesterone. Mm -hmm. So it's not only that you know you might be producing it, but your cells are not able to like take it in. You know, to just say it in layman's terms, you know, your your cells are progesterone resistant. Yeah. So they're having a hard time processing what is there. Yeah. And do you find that issues like blood sugar imbalance could affect the progesterone and estrogen ratio or um, gut health issues like affecting like estrogen detoxification? Do you, do you see that much with your clients? Most definitely. Most definitely. I just had a, a session with a client this morning. She's undiagnosed PCOS, but it's quite clear to me that she does have PCOS. She's having resistance from her medical provider getting the testing, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> you know, it's just, you have to keep pressing them, you know, yeah. one in one in 10 women have, you know, the condition, but they're not being tested or taken seriously. Anyway, I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but <laughs> it's so frustrating though. Too frustrating. Yeah. Um, what I was telling her is that the reproductive hormones in the in the hierarchy of things are followers. So if you're having issues with your menstrual cycle, if you're having um, issues with um, fertility and reproduction, it means that something else is off. Um, because basically, hormonally, your endocrine system is basically trying to keep everything in balance in homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So if your thyroid hormones are off or your blood sugar is off, insulin, you know, is, is too, is elevated, then you're going to see issues with your reproductive hormones as well. Yeah, absolutely. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, if you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. And so what 
strategies considering so for you would you say those top the three that you mentioned were the top three or would you kind of consider like the blood sugar or you know the stress part the detoxification like all of them could be behind the heavy bleeding or do you feel like all of it yeah all of it because the heavy bleeding is caused by an imbalance in the Mm. yeah in the ratio so most definitely okay so considering those issues do you have any strategies that you kind of you know go-to strategies that you tend to suggest when you work with someone around heavy bleeding yeah yeah definitely so you know the the strategies here would be more (laughs) more of a big picture (laughs) long-term strategies you know Mm -hmm. um definitely not a quick fix um, but the strategies would involve getting to and treating the root, the root cause of the issue, you know. So it's on the, the hormonal front, you need to figure out, okay, so is it that I'm not ovulating and I'm not actually producing progesterone? So you should support your body to ovulate every month, you know, every cycle, you know. Um, I always like to say that the first step should be to... Um, eliminate and avoid the triggers you know so if the in the case of xenoestrogens for example you should definitely be looking at those lifestyle factors um you know cleaning up your your you know your beauty care your the the all of the products that you you use in your home on your skin um eliminating pesticides herbicides you know so having organic produce or organic foods just eliminating those triggers, yeah. you know, that would be throwing things off balance because it doesn't matter how many, um, even if they're the right supplements, um, you know, we always say you can't out supplement a bad diet. No. It, it, exactly. Yeah. You know, the first step is to eliminate and avoid the triggers. Um, definitely supporting the gut and the liver mm-hmm. for proper elimination and detoxification of any excess hormones, any excess toxins, you know, so definitely a big picture long-term yeah. <laughs> um, approach would be best. And what would kind of, for those who aren't, you know, aren't sure, what would help to detoxify the, you know, to support the gut and to support the liver, um, would it be certain nutrients you would focus on or foods um, or, you know, different strategies like sweating or dry brushing? Yeah, all of those, all of those. Um, some of my favorite um, foods for supporting hormonal health are foods that basically support the liver and the gut, right. you know, because especially if we, you know, we're talking about like heavy bleeding here, once it's happening, it's already happening. And there's very little we can do whilst it's happening. You're bleeding and you just you just have yeah. to let the bleed. <laughs> you know, yeah, you just have to let it run point. its course. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really important what you did the cycle before. It's it's important what you do every day, you know, every day of the month. Um, so that when you have your next bleed, it can be better and better and better you know? Um, so some of my favorite foods are foods that support the liver and the gut, um, bitter foods and herbs. So like dandelion is one of my favorite milk thistle is one of my, you know, other favorites, lemon, simply starting your day with a warm glass of lemon water, Mm. you know, can help to support the liver so much. Yeah. I Um, love dandelion tea. I mean, I don't, I, I don't mind the taste. I don't love it, but I, I drink it every day. And if I don't drink it every day, I really notice a difference in my periods. Really notice it. Yeah. I, especially like my boobs will really hurt. I'm like, okay, I'm estrogen dominant. Like all of a sudden I look like I've just had like surgery done. I've gone up like a cup size. <laughs> which is, exactly. which, you know, if I didn't think it was a problem having like estrogen dominance, I would be like, oh, this is a bonus, but it's not a bonus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so what really matters is what we do daily. I, yeah. I, I had a similar situation when I stopped taking my, um, it was in the early, early days, like when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I stopped having my lemon water daily. I developed kidney stones. Wow. Even though I was like, what the heck is this? You know, 
And then I was like, what have I been doing differently besides being pregnant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started up with my lemon water again and I just passed those suckers out, you know? So really? I was like, okay, okay, were they, lemon so water. Were they, did it help? Was it like less painful because of the lemon water? Yeah. Or? yeah. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. so interesting. I have never had kidney stones in my life. And I know that being pregnant contributed to it, but I was like, this is the only thing that I've changed up in my my daily rituals, you know, because yeah. I was having, you know, a little bit of an aversion to it somehow in the first trimester. So, so yeah, that's it's amazing. It's, it's the daily stuff, the daily yeah. things that makes a difference, you know? fermented foods as well too that was the other thing um sauerkraut is one of my favorites um i do love kombucha mm-hmm. um but of course you know it depends on the state of the individual's you know gut yes the yeah. state of your gut health at the time you know um sometimes the gut just isn't ready to receive mm-hmm. <laughs> um some of these fermented foods so you really do need to either work with someone or go slowly as you introduce it you know every everybody is unique um anti-inflammatory foods as you mentioned you know yeah all of all of those and especially in this mediterranean lifestyle what can i say um i love healthy fats yes yeah um so we eat we do eat a lot of olives here in spain um avocados these are also really nourishing foods for the gut as well Mm -hmm. um i do a lot of like you know coconut oil and ghee um veg lots of green green vegetables the thing is with with anti-inflammatory foods is that um what can be inflammatory for me may not be inflammatory for jessica yes you know so um it's really important to to figure out um what works for you and what doesn't Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I do when I work with a client is that, you know, we go through like an elimination diet and we figure out, you know, okay, because when I did that many years ago and I tried to do it once per year, actually, is to do a reset, um, there were lots of foods that were inflaming me that were healthy foods. So I couldn't eat eggs. I couldn't eat tomatoes. I couldn't eat eggplant. There were a lot of foods that I, that were inflammatory to me. But as I continue to work on my gut health and my liver function, you know, all of all of the things, Mm. then slowly but surely I could reintroduce more foods, you know, into my diet. So that's, I think, an important component you need to figure out what's inflammatory for you or not. And so so food wise, we would be looking at um, bitter foods like dandelion tea, um, lemon milk thistle maybe mm-hmm. like things like rocket perhaps um yes. watercress um and then anti-inflammatory foods healthy fats um yeah. and would you say that like fibrous foods or cruciferous mm-hmm. foods could play mm-hmm. a role yeah Crucif- yeah how could i forget those cruciferous veg um looking at the broccoli and the brussels sprouts um, cabbage, all of those foods. And the thing is, you know, um, like if you looked at my blog, Natural Food Foodie, you'll know that I'm a big fan of eating for your cycle, eating mm-hmm. like a cycle synced, um, cycle based diet, which is where you focus on having specific um, types of nutrients at the specific phases of the cycle. So um, if we look at the four phases of the menstrual cycle, there's the menstrual phase, the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, and the luteal phase. And as we move through the cycle, our body, based on the hormonal fluctuations that I talked about earlier, requires a certain level of of different nutrients. Um, So if you want, I can just touch on that quickly. Yeah, I'd love that. So like, for example, during the menstrual phase, when the uterine lining is shedding, you're obviously losing a lot of iron. So if you think about it, it would make sense to eat um, iron-rich foods during that phase. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the time of the cycle when I focus on eating um, the most nutrient-dense um, forms of iron, which would be things like organ meats, red meats, um, legumes on the plant side. Um, and stuff like that. Then in the follicular phase, um, we look to 
more fresh raw foods. Mm-hmm. And then in the ovulatory phase, when estrogen is peaking, we're looking to eat all the fermented foods and the cruciferous vegetables to help with the detoxification of any excess estrogen. And then in the luteal phase, again, we, which is quite similar to the menstrual phase in the way that because you're basically preparing for menstruation, um, you're looking to have a lot of like magnesium rich foods. I was just listening to your podcast this morning when you um, you suggested doing the magnesium baths. Oh, right yeah. Before. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and that's that's perfect. Like, so as you prepare for menstruation, you want to up the magnesium mm-hmm. and all the different um, known anti-inflammatories like um, turmeric and, you know, yeah. different spices that can help with that. Beautiful. Thank you. So obviously you've said that this is a long-term approach. We're looking at like lifestyle changes, nutrition changes would be changing, like um, removing toxins and obviously working on the gut can take some time. So when would, do you see kind of a time frame that people start seeing like results or even just like slight changes in their, um, yeah, in their kind of periods and hormonal levels? Because at least in terms of the pain, once we look at once we start changing nutrition with my clients their pain by like their next cycle literally their pain has changed um I've seen multiple clients go from having like a level nine and then the next period it's like no pain or like level one or two um but I feel like hormonal imbalances can tend to take a little bit longer what do you what do you experience there yeah, very similar. I've seen the same. I've seen improvement from one cycle to the next. And obviously it depends again on the individual, you know, um, how much, you know, how all in you are, <laughs> you are, you know, like um, <laughs> the result is kind of sometimes equivalent to the effort, um, you know, and it depends like in, in a way how bad things are, you know, like what is your start, what's your starting point? Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely you can have improvement in, in your symptoms from one cycle to the next. And then, you know, as I say, like the next period can be better. And then the one after that, even better. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's usually like a gradual, a gradual change for the best. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope that that's encouraged people who are listening because, heavy periods cutty periods painful periods like painful breasts like they just don't have to be tolerated and unfortunately we're told that it's part of the condition we have or it's part of just having periods and it's simply not true there's so much we can do around it um so yeah thank you so much for sharing your knowledge if anyone's listening who is at the start of this journey they're having heavy periods maybe they're you know they're flooding they're bleeding through their clothes do you have like one to two starting points of where you feel is a nice you know nice gradual beginning for them in terms of healing these these symptoms Hmm. really good question jessica um i think um one one place to start would be probably it might seem strange but mindset Mm -hmm. um first believing believing that um this doesn't have to be your normal, you know, that, like you just said, that there is a lot that you can do, even though it may not seem like there is, and it may seem like you've, I have a lot of clients come to me and say, I've tried it all. I'm like, no, you haven't tried it all. Let's do this. Let's do that. <laughs> you know? it, and it gets frustrating. I understand it does, but having the mindset that um, you're going to get there, you didn't arrive here overnight. And, you know, things may not change overnight, but um, you're going to get there eventually. And as I said, like you mentioned, sometimes your your pain may not go from a 10 to zero, but how would your the quality of your life improve if your pain level went from a 10 to five? Absolutely. What would that mean for the quality of your life? Yes. So just never believe that it's it's normal, that this has to be your normal. Don't give up. Um, keep trying keep doing the things you know um, and it's you know find someone along the way who can just guide you and kind of shorten that journey 
because yeah. that journey can be long and winding. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You know? So finding an expert as yourself, you know, or, or working with me, you know, it, it doesn't really matter, but just find someone who can help you on the journey and know that it is possible for you. Yeah, and actually, you know, I thank you for saying that about, you know, the um, it might not be a two, but it could be a five. What would that mean for you? And I think that that's important to realize as well that, if you don't see overnight success, that doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you haven't tried hard enough. Um, we're all, all of our bodies are different. The clients that I, you know, some of the clients that I've seen who have had like changes in a month, um, it could, you know, there could be so many different reasons why it worked in that particular way. Their endometriosis could be different from yours. They might have, they might be better able to detoxify estrogen. So kind of remembering that and that every small win is still a win right oh yeah you're not gonna if you were climbing a ladder you're not gonna suddenly jump from the bottom to the top of a roof right you have to go one step at a time um and that's exactly how it is on this journey every small improvement or every small win will lead to the big wins um so yeah so obviously I love to give the, these examples because they're so hopeful and so encouraging and I think in this space in this endometriosis space sometimes we can just hear the negative story so I really love to let people realize that um let people know about the success because then they realize it's possible um but also don't be intimidated by that kind of idea of an overnight you know an overnight change and um, because it does take time and it varies for everyone so thank you for bringing that up I think that's a really important point so if people wanted to find out more about your work or they just you know they want to check out your recipes or learn more about some of the um, topics that you've shared where are they best able to find you and get in touch with you Okay, um, I'm in a few places. <laughs> so <laughs> my favorite place to hang out is on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and my handle is my name, crystal.curtain. Because even though I thought my name was quite unique, it seems like it's not. And there was already a crystal curtain out there. Oh. <laughs> so I've got a dot in between. So okay. it's crystal, yeah, dot curtain. Um, that's me on Instagram. And um, I share a lot. <laughs> I share a you lot do. of, you know, knowledge bombs and gems there. Pretty passionate about um, women's health. Um, the other place is, um, as I mentioned, my food blog which is Natural Fit Foodie, tons mm -hmm. of, of healthy recipes on there, all gluten-free, all dairy-free, right? So anti-inflammatory um, recipes yeah. to get you cooking again, you know, because I think that's a really important thing. Yeah, <laughs> We need to get back in the kitchen and take control of, you know, um, the meals that we, we nourish ourselves with. So that's the other place. Then I've got my coaching um, site, website, which is crystalcurtain.com. Um, and there you can find more information about my, my programs, my one-to-one -one programs um, that I have on offer, which is one of them is fertility awareness charting, because I didn't mention as part of my journey, <laughs> once I conceived my second daughter, I, um, I knew that I... I didn't want to have to take hormonal birth control because right. I had been on it for decades before. Yeah. Um, and I knew that I didn't want to, um, I was very much against going back on hormonal birth control. So um, I started practicing fertility awareness and then that led me to um, train to become an educator myself. So I teach Amazing. women the fertility awareness method, which is natural birth control. And it is not the rhythm method. It is based on the science of your body, based on the hormones of the cycle that I explained earlier. Um, natural birth control. And of course, if you're wishing to get pregnant, can help to facilitate that faster. And it's an opportunity to track your health because... As, as someone with a uterus, we have to know that our reproductive health is connected and cannot be separated from our overall health. So if, um, if you're tracking your reproductive hormones, um, they, they give you a lot of information about what's happening in your body overall. 
So a lot of women come to me because they, they're not even looking to avoid or they're not looking to conceive, but they want to have this method of being able to um, basically take charge of their health by tracking their fertility. So that's one thing. And then I have my 28-day program, Mend Your Menses, which is where we, we do the repair work. Um, that's for women with menstrual cycle irregularities um, who wish to um, regulate their cycle, take charge of their fertility and their hormonal health and all of that. That's what um, that program is all about. So that's me. That sounds amazing. In a nutshell. <laughs> amazing. Thank you so much for being on here and yeah, just sharing everything you know about heavy periods and hormones and for that incredible description of the menstrual cycle. Um, it's brilliant. Um, so thank you for sharing that and yeah, for being here. And I think that this episode is going to really help a lot of people um, realize that they don't have to struggle with, you know, heavy bleeding and flooding and bleeding through clothes at work. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the opportunity, Jessica. Bye. Bye. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. Music.